Welcome to the official podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel Indy West. Our desire is to make authentic disciples of Christ who worship Him, walk with Him, and work for Him. You can find more information about Harvest by visiting our website at www.harvestindywest.org or by downloading our app from your app store. We pray today's podcast will encourage your pursuit of Jesus Christ. Before we dive into God's Word, um, I'm just going to kind of add an item with uh, the Harvest Year and Gives, um, because there's something to rejoice over. Uh, Earlier this week, we've been working on through for some time now and kind of a faith step to see about purchasing nine acres of property that go past the bridge all the way out to Rockville Road there. And if you drive by there, it now says sold. And uh, we own that thing now. So (laughs) praise the Lord for that. And now we're trusting that God's gonna provide for that. And by the way, anything over the $50,000, anything over, we've said that it's going to go to help in the... uh, development of that uh, property out there. So uh, God's in the process. Uh, land and purchase of land in Haiti is insane. Um, purchasing land here is less insane, but still within that category. Um, but we praise the Lord for it. So uh, rejoice. Hey, uh, should we dive into God's word? Okay, let me set the stage for us today. It's the uh, Sunday after Thanksgiving. Second service is usually the quieter service, which means after Thanksgiving, you tryptophan your way oftentimes, even more so. So I want to invite you to not be quiet. Uh, you, you can be uh, somewhat as loud as you want today, and uh, we're going to dive into God's Word. You excited about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, here's what's going on if you're visiting with us, if your family or uh, family... Uh, or friends who are visiting. Uh, One, we're going through a a three-week series right now. Uh, This three-week series is kind of coming out of, I'll just bluntly, it is coming out of a sabbatical time period my wife and I were just on. And these are the things that uh, we were focusing on. Last Sunday, we talked about practice number one, reflecting in the Lord. Uh, Practices of leaning in people include reflecting on the Lord. Uh, Today is going to be about resting in the Lord. And next Sunday, we're going to kind of pull those two together in taking a look and refueling in the Lord. These are the three focuses of our sabbatical time. So not only is this kind of time in God's Word, but just being very frank with you, this is very much just what God's been doing in my life and Karen in my life here over the last month. And I'd love for you to join me in it because God's done some uh, pretty amazing things um, in my life. And I'll also say this, how applicable is it that we're talking about these things this time of the year. I mean, this is the time of the year where uh, things get busy, 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 go, go, go. Uh, Rockville Road becomes a parking lot. Um, Chick-fil-A becomes even more packed than it normally is. And Pastor Cody dons his puffy coat uh, through the winter months here. Uh, he uh, kind of a, a Florida-type guy and walks around with a puffy coat. Maybe next Sunday he'll even give announcements in it or something. But... Uh, I'll just say it this way, this is the time of the year when the expectations and the stress meters kind of get into the red section of things. And I think this is a perfect time to be talking about these things, reflecting and resting and refueling. And um, before we dive into uh, resting in the Lord, five things. As I noted last Sunday, all three of these are totally countercultural. Countercultural. Just as broken humans as well as Americans. We are generally not reflecting people. 
We're generally not resting people, and we are generally not refueling people. We push it, and we go till we crash, and we kind of applaud that and admire that. And everything we're talking about is countercultural. Second, when Scripture talks about the subject of rest, there's a whole variety of discussions that could take place. Frankly, if I were doing a series, I could do at least 10 Sundays on this, and they, here's some of the things they would be covering. The command to rest in Scripture. By the way, this, this idea of resting that we're talking about today, God commands it. It's not a suggestion, it is a command. Uh, another one would be about the day of rest, Sabbath day. Uh, By the way, the Sabbath day in Scripture, uh, we don't understand because of how we think of our days. The Sabbath day began in the evening. The Sabbath day in Scripture began with rest. That would be a great moment to go, ooh. (laughs) But but it it began with rest. And, And in that time, I'll just process that another time. Another one would be, the scripture talks about a year of rest. Leviticus 25 talks about how your fields and vines are to rest on the seventh year. It's just not even about people resting, but it's about creation resting. Uh, Another one is there are resting places in scripture. The promised land, for one, is noted as a sending base place for God's people to do ministry uh, to the world, and yet it's also referenced in the Old Testament as a place for God's people to rest therein. It's a sending place, but it's also a resting place. Uh, Another one is there's resting events in scriptures. Uh, it's the, the biblical feasts and celebrations are all designed and focused on this idea of reflecting and resting and being refueled in the Lord. Uh, it comes out of those. There's resting breaks in Scripture, uh, kind of this idea of random times for withdrawal and rest from life and ministry activity. Jesus did them, and Jesus did them with the disciples. Uh, another is uh, resting in times of hurt. I think of Hannah, 1 Samuel 1, since we went through 1 Samuel 1 through 14 a little while ago, and, and in her ongoing, as the text tells us, she was deeply distressed in affliction with everything going on in her life that was hurtful and hard, and we find her again and again just bringing that to the Lord, might I say, seeking to find rest in the Lord in her hurt with what's going on. It's interesting, too, in Matthew 14. Jesus uh, learns about uh, John the baptizer, is beheaded. The, the, the verse after it says that Jesus learns about this, the next verse tells us that Jesus withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. I'm just going to tell you, when you follow this through, in the time of hurt, he even pulls away in a desolate place, times of hurt. There's also times of great opportunity. Luke 5, huge crowds are gathering around Jesus and they're they're wanting to hear from him, but what does he do? Verse 16, he withdraws to a desolate place and he prays. In Mark chapter 6, the disciples return from their first ministry venture and they come back and they saw God do a work and, and Jesus says, come to a desolate place for a while for us to rest. Even in times when it's like there's great opportunity, I'm telling you, behind the ministry curtain within pastors and It's like when things are hot, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. And I'll tell you, it's more like Jesus at times. It's like when things are hot, that's the time to take a rest. And I think we'll learn a little bit of why with that today. Great opportunities. Another is just times of strategic decisions. 
Mark chapter 1, a huge impact in my life, just going into vocational ministry. Uh, Jesus is going public, if you will, and it's a strategic moment where he is moving on, and we find that that morning, very early, while it was still dark, he's out of place to pray, and then he comes back and he says, we need to move on. Just times of strategic decisions in life. And the tenth one, I'll just say, is resting physically. Yeah, scripture talks about that. It talks about that. So uh, rest is countercultural. Uh, this could be a 10-week series, but it's not. It's just one Sunday. And third, I'll say this. I will have an ask of you today. I will have a resting in the Lord ask of you today. And in my saying that, some of you, if you've been churched a lot in your life, you may be thinking right at this moment, oh boy, he's going to ask for a whole day out of my week to be set aside unto the Lord. And uh, I'll just be honest with you. I don't think most of us are in the place to even begin thinking about that right now and knowing what to do in that. And because I can't do all, because I'm not doing a series on all of that, I'm not going to ask for that big of an ask. I am going to ask for two hours a week for the next six weeks. Two hours a week for the next six weeks. Um, I say only that because I think a... uh, and ask for a sabbatical day is just too easy and too simplistic at this point. It lacks me being able to teach on what's going on with that. I think oftentimes as a result of that, it positions God's people to think legalistically and get discouraged. Uh, I also think it misses oftentimes the conversation of even talking about the directive to, to work six days a week. And, and then you take work six days a week and a Sabbath day, and if you talk about what all that means, then how do you bring all of that together in a world where we have grocery stores and hardware stores and, and Amazon and, and things like that that they didn't have back in the day? And so how does all this translate into a world uh, because of all that? I'm not going to ask for Sabbath day, but I am going to ask for two hours so we can get started, Okay. So just relax. I'm not going for the big step at a time. Another thing I'm just going to say this very transparently is I stand before you or sit before you as a poster boy of not having implemented a life rhythm of these three practices in my life in the last 10 years. So why is he talking about it? Great question. Answer. Because over the recent months on my sabbatical time, uh, The Lord took me to the proverbial Job 38 to 42 woodshed and um, came back from that going, life is out of control. My heart is out of control. David Murray said he was in a similar situation in his book Reset and he says, I came to where I couldn't enjoy anything. I'm sad to say I understand that more than I would want to. So I didn't only come back from sabbatical with a beard, but also with a realization that running seven days a week, 75 to 90 hours a week, overwhelmed and discouraged and unable to see or hear the danger ahead signs, I'm going to change. And uh, I have the blessing of making some of that public because now I have to. And I want to ask you to join me. Lastly, I'm not going to be able to go to our core text today on rest. That's kind of odd. Yeah, I know. I'm kind of an odd preacher dude. Core text on this is Genesis 2, and we'll go there next Sunday. I just want for you to know that. We'll go there next Sunday. Um, So... 
spent about 10 minutes on a 30,000 foot flyover of the land of rest and some of the items related to it, so it's kind of time to lower the nose of the plane. And uh, Lord willing, take about a 30-minute flight. We'll see what the weather has with that. 30-minute uh, flight down into uh, this. I want for us to take some time here now and behold and grab a hold of three core understandings of resting in the Lord. These are coming out of what I've been learning. Three core understandings about resting in the Lord. And item number one, which item? Number one is it is a soul thing. It is a soul thing. Please turn your copy of God's Word to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew, Matthew's the first book in the New Testament, page 816, if you're using one of the Bibles behind the seats there. Uh, Matthew 11, I want for you to know here, you kind of hang here in Matthew 11. We're going to be in the kind of last verses of Matthew 11. Uh, I'm going to be bringing in some other verses with it. You can just kind of hang here. You can note some of the other verses down if you want, and you can uh, dig into them a little further later on. I want to remind us as you're turning there, Isaiah 55.1, much of this uh, is coming out of, Come, everyone who thirsts, come. Come, buy and eat. Come without money, without price, come. Uh, The Lord is a come unto Lord. He is inviting that reality. And in verse 3 it says, So that your soul may live. That's a big deal. Because this isn't just about uh, an an important aspect, but not the aspect of just physical rest. Uh, Listen, it is a soul rest thing that we're talking about here and Scripture is driving at first. It's a soul rest thing. Psalm 116.7 says, Return, O my soul, to your rest. Jeremiah 6.16 says, And you will find rest for your soul. And then Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30, let me read. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for what? My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Read a passage like that, and you might be thinking right now, whoa, that's kind of contradictory to how I think about the Lord and relationship with the Lord. Here's the good news. When our thinking is contradictory to what Scripture says, we have the wrong thinking, it has the right thinking. And what it is talking about here is that I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. Friends, we live in a culture where people and families and children are running, busy, hectic, crazy, seeing the expectations put on them, feeling those thinking and just like, we just can't stop. I'm telling you, behind the ministry curtain and vocational ministry after 20 years in business and behind this curtain, I am telling you, it is insane on this side of the curtain on what goes on. And pastors just, (laughs) just running, 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 exhausted, exhausted, exhausted. 
More important than financial rest is rest for your soul. More important than us having political rest is having rest for your soul. More important than having physical rest is rest for your soul. More important than relationship rest is rest for your soul. More important than career rest or your calendar rest is rest for your soul. More important than rest in your home is rest for your soul. It is out of a rest of your soul that other rest can come. And we think arranging the furniture on the Titanic will save the Titanic. It's a soul thing. And by the way, two things along with this soul thing. This soul rest references the salvation of your soul. Ephesians chapter 2, bad news first, verses 1 through 3, tells us, God says, that the condition and position of every person begins at a place of brokenness, guilt, separation, and might I call it, unrest with God. Everyone. It is spiritually a life without relationship with God because of sin. Stately, uh, stated bluntly, the beginning place of each of our souls without Christ is a soul separated from God and on a catastrophic highway to hell. Wait, Doug, you're kind of amped up about that. No, here's why I'm amped up about that. Because of the good news that follows the really bad news. You don't know how good the good news is until you understand how bad the bad news is. And out of the bad news, verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 2 begins with two words that are the best two words of all Scripture, and those two words are, but God. You see, in light of our absolute sin-upon-sin condition separated from God at total unrest spiritually in our souls with God, but God did something. It says, but God, rich in mercy, great in love, even when we were dead in our sins upon sins, he made us alive through Christ, for by grace you are saved through faith in Christ, not by works. Hey, friend, if you think you are earning your way to salvation, like I did more good in my life than I think, think I did bad, hey friend, you're in trouble. Because this says that you cannot, absolutely cannot, earn rest and salvation with the Lord. But God has provided the means. God came in the flesh to do for you and I what we could not do for ourselves. And as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. I'm telling you, that's great news. And if you don't know about this great news, really, I mean, honestly, in your life, if you're at unrest in your soul, like, I don't really know that I know that I know that I have a relationship with the Lord. I want for you to understand that you need to talk with someone and ask them to help you walk through God's word because we've just begun doing that. Because there can be rest for your soul. By the way, I would encourage you 
you're at unrest, go back and listen to the five weeks. Uh, just the other month, Pastor Cody took us through 1 John, and that you may know. Well, it's not just a salvation rest of your soul. It's also the big word around here over the last year has been it's an abiding rest in your soul as well. Coming to Christ is just the beginning of relationship with the Lord. It's not the end of it all. An abiding relationship is kind of pictured in Isaiah 55 that we've been basing all this on. He says, come, come everyone who thirsts, come, buy without money, without price, come. And then it talks about this imagery of uh, come, come to the table, eat, drink, lean in, seek, call upon, forsake, and return. Listen, the Lord is not a stay away from me, God. The Lord is not a please stay away from me because you and you all annoy me. I just, I annoy myself. Why would he not be over annoyed? But God says, come, come. You see, it includes this abiding relationship thing. This picture of sitting at the table and leaning into the Lord, and he loves it, he adores that, he wants that. He doesn't need you and I, but he takes great glory in you and I coming to him. Luke 10, Jesus is in Mary and Martha's house. <laughs> Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet, just taking it all in. Oh, Martha, oh, I am so Martha. Martha. Martha's all busy and active and distracted and, oh, by the way, mad. Because she tells Jesus, Jesus, do you see my sister? She ain't doing squat. That's in the Greek. She ain't doing squat. And, and, and do something about that. <laughs> Jesus turns to her and says, Martha, Martha, Martha. You know, when your name said three times, you know something's coming. Martha, 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 you are anxious and troubled about many things. Martha, you are at unrest with me right now. Only one thing is necessary. Martha, would you just come and sit and abide with me? Lean in. John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me. Loved ones, you and I need to behold and grab a hold of the understanding that resting in the Lord is first and foremost a soul thing. I've come to see that my unrest has been with my to-do list and my calendar. And how in the world am I going to dig myself out? Doug, Doug, Doug. You are anxious and you are troubled about many things. But only one thing is necessary. Would you sit your can down and just hang with me? Resting in the Lord is a soul thing, salvation thing, an abiding thing. Second, resting in the Lord is a come unto thing. We've actually already touched on this. We are uh, noisy people. Uh, we are a noisy culture. 
and we champion it, and we think successful people are the most busy people, are the most over-the-top, out-of-control people at times. And so in all that, being the culture that we are, we think, okay, you're on this subject, so what am I supposed to do? Okay, I got one thing for you to do from Scripture, and it's this, come unto. Resting in the Lord is a come unto thing. Resting in the Lord is a come unto thing. And the reason I'm standing right now is because I can't sit. I'm so excited about these last two. Seriously. These last two things have been radically life-changing things for me personally and coming to understand. So here's my heart on the table and what I've seen. Isaiah 55, again. Come, come everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. He, she who has no money, come, buy and eat without money, without price, and eat. And then verse three, incline your ear and come to me. What's the call? What's, what am I supposed to do to have rest with the Lord? One thing, come unto. That's it. No, no, but I'm not ready yet. I'm not all cleaned up yet. I mean, I don't have my act together yet. Have you ever thought that about coming to the Lord? The Lord will take me when I have my act together. How's that working for you? You will never have your act together. You won't. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And yet the Lord, knowing that, says, come. Just come. Unto me, Luke 15, prodigal son. The central question for the reader as you go through that is, is the son going to return and come back to the father? That's it. Is he going to come back? That's the question. That's the tension in the whole thing. The central question of Revelation 3.20. It's the imagery of Jesus knocking on the door of the Laodicean church. And the question in it is whether anyone in that church will hear, answer, and come unto and into a soul-saving, soul-abiding relationship with the Lord. Here's the picture of Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus says, the resurrected, glorified, magnified Jesus Christ. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door and allow me to come in, I will sup with you. I will abide with you. And so the picture of the image is so fantastic. Fantastic, because so many people, oftentimes what they want to do is, hey, I got my house, I got my thing, I got what my life is about, I want Jesus around, but I really want like the door with the screen door closed and Jesus out on the porch. I want him out on the porch so I can kind of talk to him and we can kind of have hang, but I really want to do my life the way I want to do my life. Jesus, I want you around, but stay out there. That is not what the text is saying. Jesus is saying, listen, Dude and dudette, I am knocking at the door. I want to come in, but I'm not going to push myself in. I'm not going to barge myself in. I'm not going to crash myself in on you. But I have made myself available, and if you would simply come and open the door, I will come in and eat with you and abide with you. It is a come unto thing. The general question of Revelation 22, 17 is whether those who are thirsty will actually come unto and take the water of life without price and be able to have the knowledge and the surety of knowing that what Revelation 21 says about eternity, they will be a part of it. The question is, is will you come unto? 
And then we look here at Matthew eleven twenty eight again. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. That is an amazing statement. And you will find rest for your souls. Come. And the third thing, resting in the Lord is a divine thing. Oh, I love this. First, resting in the Lord is divinely established. I'm actually going to hold more talk on that until next Sunday. Genesis 2. This whole thing is God established. It's not my idea. It's not someone else smarter than me idea. This is God's idea of resting in him. We'll get more of that next Sunday as we pull it together. Secondly, resting in the Lord is divinely accomplished. This is so cool. God help me communicate it. Divinely accomplished. Here are a couple verses before we finish with Matthew 11. Exodus 33, 14. And God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Let me say that again. God said, Jehovah said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. You see, we think that we have to come unto the Lord bring our soul unto the Lord, and then we get it to rest. Like it's a self-help thing. Like it's a spiritual self-help thing. Like, calm your soul, Doug. Come on, Doug. Get your act together, Doug. Come on, Doug. Come on, Doug. Come on, Doug. Like, come on, pull it together, man. Like you're too anxious. Martha, Martha, Martha! If you're not with me fully, more verses. Jeremiah 6.16. Jeremiah 6.16. It says, thus says the Lord. Who says it? The Lord. Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. Find rest. It doesn't say you create rest. It doesn't say you fabricate rest. It doesn't say you produce the rest. You find it. What happens when you find something? Here's what it is. La, 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 la. Whoa! Am I right? Just in case for some of you are a little slower. La, 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 la. Whoa! I'm walking, and look what I found. Friends, I have been working overtime for the last 10 years trying to find rest. And the reality is, is I have been trying to produce the rest myself. 
And the text tells us that, no, you come and I will give. You come and you will find rest here. You want to find rest? You want to find rest? Then park yourself at the Lord's feet. That's where we find it, and he will give it. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, you have it open there. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and you will produce rest. No, I, Jesus, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Friends, a lot of us are trying to be God in our own lives. And we are trying to produce it, manufacture it, make it happen. And God says, will you just stop it? The Lord says, Here, here's how it works. I have created you with a soul. And I am just saying, bring your soul here and I will give you rest. You will find rest here. You just need to come. I wasn't given that impression growing up all my years in church. I've always been given this impression that somehow I have to work really hard and then I'll get it. When you come into saving relationship with the Lord and you open the door and you receive Christ as your Savior, what happens at that moment? What happens at that moment is you have responded. By the way, you can't even take, you can't even take credit for having responded. But you respond unto the Lord, you come unto the Lord, and what takes place? Then the Lord starts doing a work. He gives the Spirit of God upon you. He seals you. He imputes the righteousness of Christ in your account before the Lord. He tats you on the forehead as a child of God, if you will. He does all the changing. He does the redeeming. All I did was come. And then it is out of that where it's like, look what I found, man. Look what I found. And it's like, I found this thing. And then it's like, I don't put it in my backpack. Are you kidding? Open up what you found and lean in. And as you start digging in that, this is coming into next Sunday, as you start digging into that, you begin learning what you found. You begin seeing what you found. You begin understanding what God has done for you and given you, and out of that, you're like, I don't even know how to say it. Some of us need to learn how to rest. Our souls before the Lord. 
and let him do a work. Have you ever been around where a little child, bless their heart, just so badly wants to earn your attention? And it's like, you already have my attention. But in their little cute little head, bless their heart, they're just all busy and active and think they just gotta keep doing things to earn your attention. And you're just like, dog, dog, dog. Would you just stop it? You already have my attention. The Lord's way better than I ever imagined. He's way bigger than I can even ponder. He's more gracious than I can put together. And I just want to keep talking about it. But I'm going to let it rest. And let the Spirit of God do a work on you. So let me finish this way. Behold and grasp three understandings. Resting in the Lord is a soul thing. Resting in the Lord is a soul thing built out of a come unto thing. Where the Godhead then promises to do a divine thing. Resting in the Lord is a soul thing built out of a come unto thing where the Godhead then promises to do a divine thing. And now for my ask. This is not a hard sell. If you would like to, I would like to encourage you consider over the next six weeks through up into the first week of the new year that you commit unto the Lord two hours a week. I'm not talking about your devotional time or quiet time or any, I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about just two hours of time each week over the next six weeks. Now I realize for some, especially with young kids or things going on, that two hours all together in a lump might be too much. So I just want to try and do this as, as successfully as possible and with it. Option one is take one two-hour time period. And I'll talk on it in just a second. Secondly, consider taking two one-hour time periods in a week. Or four 30-minute times. I want to suggest no TV, no radio, no music. I'm even going to suggest no paper, no pen, no pencil. Nothing to write down. I'm going to suggest no calendar, no schedule, and definitely no phone. I mean, if you use your Bible on your phone, which is awesome, not this time. Because once you get on it, you will be all over it. No to-do list. Instead, just you, Bible, and a non-typical used chair. Serious. If you have like your chair that you have in the family room or living room or whatever you want, a great room, whatever you call it, you know, that you kind of sit in, hang out with, watch TV with, not that chair. Get a different chair. 
and set your soul there. And um, and begin reading the book of Matthew. We're going to start studying the book of Matthew here in just a few weeks. And um, I want to encourage you, don't just read a chapter and be like, what can I get out of that for my day today? No, we're not talking about that. I'm just talking about read four, six chapters. And just, Lord, I just want to learn more who you are. No expectation. No driven purpose other than this. You sit your soul down with the Lord. With the expectation that I don't know what the Lord's going to do, but he's going to do something in it. And nothing may show up for a while. Maybe for you, It's reading in some scripture and then just sitting quietly. We're horrible at being quiet. If I sat here for a minute quiet, you would be really uncomfortable. Oh, I so want to do that right now. I mean, I'll note next week. Maybe it's just reading about some others in history. Men, 12 faithful men, book I've read over my sabbatical. Another Eric Metaxic, seven men. It just talks about other men who lived crazy, different, wild. God did a work. Ladies, there's one called uh, 12 Extraordinary Women that my wife read. Just putting yourselves around others whom God has done a work in. And, and let out of that, God do a work in you. Here's another one, essentially biographies, a biography. Uh, I've mentioned this before, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. Those of us who are older or maybe readers, this is the new uh, Case for Christ book. If you haven't read this, you need to read this. By the way, don't gift it until you read it. Seeking all of finding Jesus. Reflecting. Resting. Next Sunday. It is out of that that refueling happens. So some final quotes. Burns, Chapman, Guthrie, the book Resilient Ministry. Self-care requires limits and rhythms. Our responsibility as creatures before the creator is to nurture and steward our capacities for the glory of God. Stewarding our capacities. Wayne Cordero, a pastor at a large church in Hawaii, wrote a book called Leading on Empty. He says, one of the greatest lessons I'm learning is that rest is not sin. Welcome behind the ministry curtain. One of the greatest lessons I'm learning is that rest is not sin. He says, when we rest at pre-designated intervals, we are reminding ourselves that ultimately God controls the outcomes, not me or all of my wonderful efforts. 
When we rest, God continues his work. When we then re-enter, it is with a humbled soul, hungry again for what he has called us to do. We return once again as a servant, led out of rest, and allowing our soul to catch up with us. Allowing our soul to catch up. If we wait until the work is done before we rest, we will never rest. And that has been me. David Murray reset. Pace, pacing a race is one of the most important skills for an athlete. Too many are crashing or fading fast before their race is over. He says, so much of our drivenness stems from a false belief in a driven God, a view of God as a slaveholder, a harsh taskmaster who can never be satisfied by anything less than his people being in a perpetual state of miserable exhaustion. But God is a loving heavenly Father, delighting in his people. The happy giver the rester and the refresher of his people, the feeder and the waterer of his people. It's time to relearn how to abide with Jesus, he says. It's time to unlearn professional busyness. And last quote, Christopher Ash, Zeal Without Burnout. There is always more we can do But God isn't asking, can you do more? He is asking, do you love me? He isn't asking, what can you do more? He is asking, do you love me? So, Lord, I rested there. You, you've been at work in my own life, and I have so much more to go. I would pray you would do a work in our souls here this morning. God, we are busy minded, active people. We try and do, 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 and prove, prove, prove. We live out of place of fear and guilt and discouragement. Instead of hope. A hope that's built on reflecting in you a hope that is bringing our souls coming unto you and knowing that it is there, you will do a work. God,
Would you do a work in us? God, for the person whose soul as it relates to their own salvation and relationship with you, oh God, would they come to a place of rest in their salvation. God, for your children Give us rest. May we come to you and find real 